0: All right, folks, welcome back to the Mount Westwire football podcast. This is a tight battle. We'll get to it in a moment, but our website here, MWWire.com, Facebook, Twitter, MWC wire, all that good stuff, Mount Westwire, Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. We're back for preview number three of... You want it?
1: Utah State.
0: Go Aggies. Fierce. And this is and this
1: is no slight to you know San Diego State which you know maybe we're giving away the game a little bit We'll be doing the Aztecs next time just because you know the response to the poll was so hotly contested that you know I don't think there's really any way that we can go wrong either way
0: no Aggies um, came from behind San Diego State had a huge lead. Utah State fans came through voted their tails off and now we're doing the Aggies first and also two years ago Utah State. Highest, most downloaded podcast and team preview ever. So, let's keep that trend going.
1: We got we have high expectations for everybody out there.
0: So, Logan, that means you share it, tell your friends, buddy. <laughs> all right. So, we're doing Utah State, um San Diego State next time, and we say next time because if you are if you love us a lot, or you t- tolerate us, or you don't want to wait, we've revamped a little bit of Patreon page. Yes, we're begging for a little bit of money, but just a buck. You can do a, a buck in one month and cancel if you want. I don't care. That's fine. But you can get this podcast. Basically, you'll get it before June 1st, this particular one on Utah State. If you have to wait, um, I don't know, middle of June, three weeks from now? hmm A couple weeks from now, if you happen to listen to a Patreon. If not, well, you listen to it now, so great. But if you want any of these early without any of the little annoying ads we put in, just head over to uh, the patreon.com. Or no, not the. Just patreon.com backslash wire and you can just download the podcast there all of them not just this one and you as soon as they're out they're up maybe some bonus stuff a few other items as well but that's how we're rolling and if you want to join us great if not that's okay you can wait that's fine as long as you listen that's all we care about just please listen in and let us know what you think of our um show here so
1: yeah and in the meantime also visit MWWire.com Yeah for, that place too <laughs> pretty much everything we got going on during the football off season plenty of black basketball news as usual and, you know, find us on Facebook and Twitter at MWC Wire.
0: Exactly. Hold on. Sorry, I got a random text here. Somebody sent me a wrong text here. Isn't that kind of weird when you get those texts that are very random?
1: It doesn't happen to me in a really long
0: time. Me neither. I Part of it is my job at the moment. I get a lot of uh, political figures on, my, on the radio show I produce, so I don't have every name in my phone book yet. So I get one behind just now running a couple of minutes behind, about six blocks out. I'm like, um, no, cool. that's, that's not right. Yeah, cool. Whoever you're meeting, sorry, but whatever. <laughs> I have no clue who this is, honestly, as well. I have like five other texts. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's get to our show. Utah State Aggies. Um, did you know, as a stat I pro- probably brought up in our previous two podcasts, they're not very good in one-position in games. I believe the record is 1-12, Matt.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder that whether this is the year where we can finally put that narrative to rest. But I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit with Colorado State and how one-score games really affected how we look back at their season. Definitely definitely applies to the Aggies as well, you know, because they lost a heartbreaker of a bowl game to New Mexico State down in Tucson. You know, they lost by three to Air Force. They lost – you know, by five to Wyoming and you know they were competitive in all three of those games so it wasn't like they were you know getting the the doors blown off of them and you know having to rally later anything like that you know all three of those games are back and forth affairs and if one or two of them goes you know in you know goes in their favor you know all of a sudden you know we talked a little bit about whether Matt Wells you know does he deserve to be on the hot seat or not but I think you know that's the vagaries of those kinds of one-possession games where, you know, if things go differently, maybe that's not even a discussion to have.
0: Very true. One thing, as I get the luck factor for turn- turnover luck, which is even more heart heartbreaking if you're an Aggie fan, they were, what, plus 1.4 in turnover luck, but yet they still lose all these one-possession games.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit rough. But I think if you're looking forward to 2018, though, you know the the best thing you can say the most promising thing you can say about this year's Utah state team is they have the benefit of continuity because when you look back at how the team performed last year you know on the whole on both sides of the ball it actually wasn't that bad like they were actually slightly better on a per play basis on defense than they had been in 2016 even if they slipped from 3rd to 5th overall they were you know, a few hundreds of a, of a yard better on total defense. And, you know, even though the total offense was you know, a little bit hit or miss, I think they ended up right around the conference average. They were eighth overall, five, 5.62 yards per play. That still represents a little bit of an improvement from where they were in 2016. And they have a lot of starters coming back on both sides of the ball. By my count, or at least by their spring prospectuses count, they have 18 players out of 22 rep- returning on both offense and defense, so that without knowing off the top of my head, that I'm pretty sure is one of, if not the largest such figure in the Mountain West.
0: It helps to have all the everybody back, and one player who's been around, Jordan Love, quarterback. He's not going to be challenged by like last year was with the Ket Myers. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about, even though he took over late in the year, he showed improvement. Because it's like when you're the guy, when you when you have the chance of being pulled out every so often, looking over your shoulder if you make one mistake, you're like, oh, crap, am I going to get taken out this series or not? Also, have David Yost on the coaching side, he's back for year number two for that four wide out offense, five wide out, whatever they want to do, a lot of passing. So I expect their offense overall to be better just because quarterback there, OC back again. The big concern for me is going to be the running game, which has been an issue for a while.
1: Yeah. So, do we want to start there, maybe?
0: Yeah, we can start there because they, like, Tony Lindsay, is she still back? Is he one of those guys that's been around for like a super senior or something, it seems like?
1: No, I believe at this point. He's finally gone. I think they're presumed, at least, you know, if they don't necessarily have one guy in the backfield, I believe that their top guy is El Toro Allen returning.
0: And I thought he might be a decent guy, but they have like, obviously, Jordan Love rushes a little bit. This offense will have him run. Maybe Trey Miller, Gerald Bright, and a couple other guys in spring I need to double check on. But that's their big thing. Like, they have um good, rece- decent receiving group with um, Ron Quavian Tarver on the outside. When you see what Jordan Love can do when he gets his chance to play, but it, it comes back to like, who's going to be a guy who can run every week because last year we thought oh maybe Allen will do well we had that i think he had one big hundred yard game a ton of carries then he fell to face the earth they've had no consistency even though they had um oh shoot devontae mays get drafted by the packers two years ago he was hurt all year but even when he's when he was healthy he wasn't doing very good and maybe it's up the offensive line as well they need both those units to be productive and as few injuries as possible to do to be just got to be average come on do something like be decent to help this team out it can't all be jordan love passing 40 plus times the game that never works
1: yeah i mean i think if nothing else what you could say about utah state is that they have options in the backfield it kind of strikes me a little bit you know even though they don't necessarily run the same system it strikes me a little bit like you know nevada's situation going into last year where we weren't quite sure who the lead guy was going to be after James Butler transferred. And then it ended up that Kelton Moore was the guy who kind of came out ahead of Jackson Kincaid and really took the lead role in there. So even if El Toro Allen isn't the guy, you know they did switch Gerald Bright from wide receiver to running back, and he did show a little bit of explosiveness in the few carries that he had last year. Like he only carried it 29 times but he averaged almost nine yards per carry and you know they got you know Morian walker who i believe was a three-star guy if i'm not mistaken you mentioned trey miller as another possible contributor it's really interesting though because they don't necessarily have a big guy back there to kind of power between the tackles except for maybe miller because he stands you know six foot 210 You know, a lot of the other guys I just mentioned are are smaller guys. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of role they want the running backs to play, like whether they want someone who can run between the tackles or whether, for instance, they want someone who can replace Lamont Hunt's production in the passing game last year. Because, you know, he did run for 800 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground, but he also caught 30 passes. And, you know, Bright caught 10 of 16 passes as well when he was still listed as a receiver. So, you know, I'm wondering if it's, if, you know, they're running a lot of run-pass option kind of plays, you know, because I don't think they're going to have one guy that's running for 1,000 yards this year. It strikes me as the kind of, you know, committee that they could have three or four guys with somewhere between four and 600 yards. And I think that as long as you're averaging, you know, four and a half five yards per carry which you know love in his limited production last year he averaged five and a half yards per carry on the ground after you adjust for sacks you know el allen averaged about four yards per carry i think if you could get that kind of production you don't necessarily need the most explosive running attack in the world as long as they can be mildly efficient i think that will solve a lot of problems
0: true and one player who we didn't mention he It's also spring stat, so it's like, how much do you want to take into that? But they do bring in a uh, transfer from Northeastern Oklahoma A&M, Juco guy, and uh, Darwin Thompson, who was, I think, second, had 17 yards and three carries. So whatever that means, he's highlighted in their spring game recap. So maybe they expect something from him. I don't know, but more bodies, the better. And he's... His size isn't great, 5'8", 190, but he's the guy specifically mentioned. But when we talked about spring stuff, I was like, well, numbers doesn't really matter. But reps essentially matter. But I, with him being a transfer, I would assume also with how poor the running game has been ben, the past few years, Thompson, like Bright, all these young guys and new guys into the system will get a chance to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on... On what measurements you choose to look at because for instance on you know yards per carry is a good one to start with last year they were seventh in the conference they had had that route 4.6 yards per carry but if you narrow that down to what they did in conference play that number jumps to about 5.3 and when you look at some of the more advanced metrics the question doesn't necessarily become one of improvement but one of kind of holding on the gains that they had from 2016 to 2017 because one of the things that they've been fairly successful at you know in the last couple of years is what bill connolly calls power success rate and you know i'm not going to give you the full definition but essentially what that means is how well you perform in short-yarded situations And last year they were just inside the top 50, you know, and as far as stuff rate, which is their ability to just avoid moving backwards from play to play on the ground, they were in the top 40. And so I think that, you know, even if they don't have a big bodied guy in the backfield, if they can stay within that range, that I think is something that Yost and the rest of the coaching staff can be really happy about.
0: I also think what will help is kind of shift the offensive line, which also ties into running game. They bring back everybody. Yep, It's the first time in a while that they've had this amount of experience back. It's four seniors, one junior. They have over what? about 60 starts. Quinn mm-hmm. Ficklin, probably the preseason center of the year, most likely on the offensive line. They are huge. Everybody outside of Ficklin, which is, Center, you don't have to be a huge guy for center, but two ninety—that's close to three hundred. Everybody's above three hundred pounds behind him. In fact, all but everybody who's not a freshman in, in one in both centers are over three hundred pounds.
1: That's true, and it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt rather that they have depth. You know, mm-hmm. they have you know three or they have all five guys who started at least eleven games last year. And then they have, you know, backups like KJ Uluave and Dimitrik Alifua, who, you know, even if they aren't, you know, full time starters per se, they could work their way into like, you know, an interior rotation or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right when you say that, you know, it's I, I mentioned in the past that like losing a lot of Offensive lineman at once doesn't necessarily mean some kind of death sentence or anything like that. True, there hasn't there hasn't been a lot of year to co- year correlation in, in how that production translates to wins and offensive production the next year. But I think it's safe to say that bringing all five guys back doesn't you know doesn't hurt
0: exactly. And that's why Utah State like they're a team where when I did my quarterback rankings recently, you can check them out on the website. I basically said like Jordan Love's kind of a wild card type of guy. Like I think I put him, what I put him fifth, I believe. Like he's not quite up there with like Ripon, Marcus McMarion, even Ty Gange. I think I put him behind Armani Rodgers, which debating now if that was the right call. But hey, we're sitting here at post spring, so give me a break. But <laughs> if the offensive line holds up, which like it showed the experience year two of a pass heavy offense, having wide receivers back like except Rotavian Carver, Carver, they have um what else they got like um tight end um shoot what's his name here Dax uh, Raymond Dax Raymond back. Even Jordan Nathan, the slot guy, they bring back four guys, or no, excuse me, three guys with uh, twenty-five plus catches, two over forty, and mm-hmm. so his offense maybe a bit low. I I think the concern is valid for us to the running game because it hasn't been good in years since um, whoever the guy, Robert Turbin, those type of guys who are toting for every year, getting drafted, picked up NFL, making rosters. Mm-hmm. If the running game could be pretty good, like not even pretty good, just be okay, like you said, if they have love, let's just say like this is realistic. Love last year. 212 rushing yards. Him being the guy more snaps, I think 400, three, about 350 is probably a decent range for him. And then if you have two other guys who rush for about 700 each, 1,500 minimum between your main running backs, 1,700, that's pretty good. So if they if they can get somewhere at least 1,500 from three backs, including the quarterback, and there's receiving group they have, offense could challenge to be one of the better ones in the conference, like probably behind... Um, Boise State, because they rip in senior quarterback. Madison, they have some pretty good, uh, like Richardson uh, the, wide out there. Plenty of good offense. Um, Nevada's offense will be killer. San Diego State will run very well. They have a senior quarterback. This should be an offense. UNLV probably should be pretty good moving the ball, I'm thinking, despite losing like a Devontae Boyd, a couple receivers. But I think his offense has the most potential to surprise, but I think they'll be like top four almost automatically. If the running game does a little bit better, or at least consistently.
1: Well, I mean, I think that you say there's the biggest potential for a surprise. I think that there's probably the most potential for improvement from 2017 to 2018. Because as a passer, Love showed you that, you know, he showed you his ceiling on more than one occasion last year. Like if you recall the UNLV game, that was by far his best performance of the year where he completed almost – or he completed over seventy percent of his passes and had almost twelve yards per attempt. And you know, you can't really blame him for the lost Air Force because he completed almost you know he had almost ten yards per attempt on in that game as well. I
0: believe the offensive lineman who came through and got the strip sack and touchdown. I believe it was late in the game. Yeah, but
1: but conversely, you know, he struggled against Boise State, which you know you might expect. Yeah, who doesn't? But he also struggled mightily against some against New Mexico as well which is maybe a little more surprising. So when you look at the numbers, I think there's a couple of obvious places where he can improve. You know, one of them is in third down situations because, you know, by passing down success rate, which, you know, go look it up on football study hall. But long story short, their ranking last year nationally in that situation was 114th. And, you know, even on I'm trying to look it up, like just their overall passing success rate was 85th. So they were below average at best when it came to throwing the football. And granted, that was between both Jordan Love and Kent Myers. But, you know, if you look closer at the numbers, one of the things you notice is that he struggled when it came to, you know, third down situations. You know, his passer rating overall on third downs was just over 100, which is not great but in mid to you know from 4 to 9 yards he was kind of a rough go you know he was 102 from 4 to 6 yards passer rating of 72 when it was third down in 7 to 9 yards you know and he you know six six first down conversions and 22 pass attempts let's put it that way mm. so that's one obvious you know area of improvement another one is in red zone passing Because he only completed 36% of his passes, and he only had two touchdowns on 25 attempts. So if you can improve at least nominally in both of those places, just being able to move the chains a little bit more, being able to turn field goals into touchdowns a little more often, you know, and it's not to say that Utah State was chopped liver when it came to converting. You know, they were just outside the top 50 on offense and points per trip inside the forty. you know you saw instances last year where if they were able to punch it in a little more often then you know things could have looked very different and I think that love can be a real driving force for that improvement in 2018
0: yeah and I think getting more because here's the thing because while he split time okay there's that like I mentioned in game stuff but more practice reps with your first team players yeah if he's getting who knows what the practice regimen was like maybe he was only getting 20% With the first team guys, so if he gets all the reps as well, just like you said, like he's he's a year older, it's going to be just him practicing more with players. It just whatever they do off season, but that's that's a big deal. And I think you're right. Like he has a lot of improvement to do. It's not like it's not like maybe that's why I put him in wild card at number five. Maybe that is an accurate spot because I he could be much better than five. But I think I don't know. I don't think he'll be that much worse. But honestly, looking at the quarterbacks in the league, like I could see him being behind Aaron Worthman for what he does production wise. Maybe even um, Curtis Samuels at CSU, just because we don't know yet if he. Assuming he's a starter, so he could maybe be a good guy, in the eighth, but eighth quarterback in the conference, like just ahead of like, like I could see on like just no slight Aggie fans might think this is nuts, but Montel Aaron at San Jose State showed a lot when he was fairly healthy, especially in Utah game where he led I think ten points in the second half before he got injured. So he like, I don't think, Love, I think Love and Montel Aaron could be a similar guy, more talent on Aggies team than Spartans clearly, which will help Love's case. But I don't think he's, um, he's kind of in the middle. That's where I put him right now. I think he could be close to really good, but I also don't think he'll be very bad either. I think he's going to be kind of middle of the pack guy, but if he's mid- upper middle of the pack, that's all Utah state really needs to do because as soon as we go defense, they bring back like most of their defensive guys, even though they have a new coordinator.
1: Yeah and the, and the other thing too, which I think maybe applies to Utah State more than a lot of teams in the conference, they really wanted to push the tempo last year too yep. like I'm not I'm not totally familiar with the with the explanation behind adjusted pace, but I think it's worth noting that the Aggies were in the top 20 last year. So you know again if it comes down to you know love just completing a few more passes, being able to move the chains a little more often, you know, if, it, if he improves from 55% to 58% in his completion rate, for instance, you know, with everything else holding steady, you know, his yards per attempt were about six and a half, which I think, you know, it's okay. And his sack rate was right around 3% last year, which is actually pretty good. You know, it's those nominal improvements with the way that this offense is constructed, you know, those nominal improvements can make huge difference.
0: Here's an interesting note. I go into teamrankings.com. Like, I know you mentioned pace, but like plays per game, which I know can vary depending on who you play, but they're middle of the pack at 72 per, which I thought would be a lot higher, 72 per game. Did you know they ran 92 plays in that New Mexico State game? I did. I think it was an overtime game as well. That probably has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I thought they'd jump a lot, like go a lot higher than last year, but the year before, but they only went three plays more in 2016-2017. I don't know what plays they want, but they want to be fast. So I'm betting they want to be here's the thing 72 to 75 puts them in the top 30. So I'm betting they want to run 80 places way up there. It's way too high. I'm betting they want to go about 75 plays per game, be, be in that top 25% of college football, which is what 35 range with the what, 130 teams.
1: Yeah. That, and I think, you know, when you look back at how many plays they were running per game last year if you look at the games where they actually were closest to that mark, you could see the difference between when they were efficient and when they were inefficient because they had 76 plays against both Wyoming and UNLV and they beat UNLV by 24 and lost Wyoming by five. And there's a difference of three yards per play between those two games.
0: Yeah. just it's, You could tell like there's always trends you can see, even despite there being 12, 13, 14 games. Yeah. But uh, let's go, let's go to the defense here. Let's move on. Actually, well, actually, offense. Where do you think they'll be overall? Could they? Is my assessment? You think correct? They could be like maybe top third, top four offensive team, like top third. I don't see why not. Do you think? What's your ceiling then? Could they be the best offense in the conference next year?
1: That might be a tall order, but I think they could definitely be in the conversation. I mean, they should definitely be able to improve on where they were last year.
0: I would say the only offense I would say that would be better for. the Overall, not just one aspect. I think Nevada is going to be better than them no matter what, just because of what they do. Um, I will say San Diego State and Boise State; those are probably the only three that are way better. But then again, the only one I would say that's miles ahead because what Nevada wants to throw in the ball. I think they yeah, can be a top three def- offense, but it's going to be. That's like probably my highest expectation for them. Like I can see them being top three.
1: I mean, I think it depends on how you look at it, like whether you want them to improve or again, whether you want them to just hold on to their gains from 2016 to 2017, because they improved by just about a full touchdown from one year to the next. You know, they were 11th in the conference in 2016, scoring about 23 points a game. Last year, they were one of five teams to crack 30. And so I think they can at least do that again. That'll make them a dangerous offense.
0: Okay, that's that's good enough. All right, let's um, should we uh, move on to the uh, defensive side of the ball now? Let's do it. All right, so Aggie defense has been mm, pretty good, not the best. Not Gay Anderson, not what not elite defense, but the biggest thing is that they uh, bring in a new coordinator, Keith Patterson, mm-hmm. and we return nine starters and basically every backup. This might be their best defense in, what, five years perhaps?
1: There's the potential for that, yeah.
0: And if that's the case, that's where, like, all these one-position games, it's a lot of small things. It's not just going to be, oh, they missed a field goal here or bad play on what you want to call offensive pass interference, whatever it was, the Air Force game or something, P.I. It's a lot of small things. But when they bring back basically their entire defensive line, their entire linebacking core. They do lose their two huge losses down Levitt and Jalen Davis are both in the NFL. Now those Mm -hmm. are huge losses, but the experience behind those guys, like if you look who played a single game at their defensive uh, back position, they had what? Seven guys play 10 plus games, not including Levitt and Davis.
1: I mean, I think what you're losing in Levitt and Davis, you're kind of getting back from the other guys who are returning and I'm thinking specifically about the guys that have a cornerback, Jamarcus Ingram and Cameron Haney, because you know both of those guys saw a lot of action last year. And even if they weren't putting up numbers like Jalen Davis was, you know, I think that you know there's the potential for them to take on a bigger role and to be able to kind of improve their numbers. Because you know, as far as like you know havoc numbers like interceptions or you know, forced fumbles or anything like that, neither of those guys stood out. But I think that. Utah State fans have really high expectations for both of those guys to be able to step in and contribute, especially someone like Haney, who, if I'm not mistaken, was a three-star recruit.
0: Uh, possibly. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But, so what do you, what should we expect from the defense? And Like, you got those guys secondary. Everybody's back. Like, is this... Should, should I confidently say this is that best defense in half a decade? And maybe... I'm not going to say best ever, because that's pretty dumb to say sitting here in summertime, but... If these guys are back and they can do something close to, like, if you look at, um, not to bounce around a ton, but when you look at the production, like, who's coming back, like, percentage of, like, t- total tackles and everything, mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty spread out amongst, like, the who's getting what. So it's not like there's one, that might be the one thing. There's not one huge dominant guy. That could be, uh, solely a Tom of Vienna, but there's just, um, it's a lot of, not role players, but it's a lot of guys who produce well well playing football
1: yeah I mean I think it'll be interesting to see you know whether they can replace their production at safety though because I think you know as as tough as it is to lose Davis it might be Levitt that is the more important piece to try to replace and but you know again I think they have options there because you know John Troll Roque Gage Ferguson and Baron Gajkowski all three of those guys saw plenty of playing time last year in at least one of those guys, I think Ferguson is probably slotted in at free safety. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if it's Gash Kausi as a sophomore who steps up to take over that role.
0: Could be. I, it's still big loss because Davis had 15 pass breakups, mm-hmm. five picks, three touchdowns in a BYU game, and they have Levitt. They had they combined for nine of what the 12, 11 interceptions. So part of it is you have all the experience back, so they're not going to take away one quarter of the field with Davis not there. They have enough talent to where, okay, they'll throw to anybody, which means opportunity rate will be there for other players to make moves. And, yes, it'll leave other opposing offenses to not have to worry about Davis, but maybe they have a guy on the bench that will come in. Like I said, Haney, maybe he'll step up and be nearly as good as Davis. It's a stretch to say so just because how good Davis was, but he had six pass breakups. And, like I said, all these guys back, even if there's not one guy, they have enough guys to rotate in and out to make it a very formidable defensive defensive unit out there.
1: Yeah, I mean I think if nothing else, like even if the secondary takes some time to coalesce, you know, one of the things I think you can look forward to is you know whether or not the running game could take a step forward in in its you know defense. Because, you know, they were right around where they were last year on a per play basis on the ground. Like they finished sixth, but they didn't actually lose all that much from 2016. And, you know, even though they lost a couple pieces in the secondary, all of their key players in the front seven are coming back. You know, Suli Tamayvena is a guy I think, you know, maybe we didn't talk enough about last year because when you look back at what he did, you know, he led the team in tackles for loss. He ended up three sacks, a couple pass breakups. You know that's the kind of production that I think, you know, Utah State fans are accustomed to on the on the defense, and you know they have options around him too. Chase Christensen is back, Justice Tei is back, David Woodward is back. So you know even if they don't have one guy, you know, being disruptive like you know some other teams do. You know, maybe they come back and they develop these guys in the same way that they developed someone like Kyle, Kyler Fackrell and the Vigil brothers back in the day.
0: All right. So, oh, is it Vigil or Vigil? I forget. It's Vigil. Okay. Long time listeners will get that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but looking at, like, I go to Athlon, they stuck up, put up their uh, early, super early preseason conference players. Like, they have, like, what, two Utah State play, three Utah State players in the four deep, it looks like, maybe five? They have uh, who do they have here? Christopher Unga. They have Sully, who we mentioned. They have uh, Chase Christensen. Um He's a linebacker, but listen, he's a fourth-team cornerback. So whatever. <laughs> Gage Ferguson. They don't. Have, they're not very confident that when you compare it to like say Boise State, who has like, half double that amount. Wyoming obviously has quite a bit. Even UNLV has a good number on there. So does that influence you at all to see how good or not good the defense could be?
1: Not really. I mean, I think I think what I look at when I look at this defense is, you know, in the same way that I look at Jordan Love to improve in a couple of instances, you know, one thing I would like to see more of is an improvement in pass rush. Because while, again, they were slightly improved on where they were in, you know, 2016 as far as sacks, you know, again, they were right in the middle of the conference with 24. And it wasn't quite at the level where they were in 2014, where by the way, they had 50 sacks that year. And, you know, I don't know that they necessarily have the talent to reach that number, but I am interested in seeing, you know, can they be a little bit better in that regard? Because they have a bunch of guys who contributed a little bit, but they don't have one dynamic dude who really took care of business. Like, you know, you know, to my vein, I had three sacks, you know, can, you know, someone like Adewale Ado- Adeoe, can he be a guy to pick up more than one sack? You know, cause he did have four and a half tackles for loss and he did have, I'm trying to look up how many stuffs he had. He had eight run stuffs. Both of those are pretty solid numbers, but you know, is he a guy who could take a step forward? Because, you know, in the same way that I think love can improve a little bit in specific ways, I think that's a specific way that Utah state can drastically improve their chances of competing for a division title.
0: So with all this talent back, what do you expect from the new defensive coordinator?
1: I mean, I think, I don't know. I want them to be a little bit better because last year, you know, depending on how you slice it, you know, they were, you know, a little bit better than they were in 2016. But, You know, when you slice it even further to what they did in conference play, they were a little bit better than that, you know, because I think if you remove a couple of the blowout games, for instance, you know, what happened against Wake Forest last year was, you know, something that maybe skews the numbers a little bit. And then in November, for instance, they were the best defense in the conference. And granted, they only played three games, but they bested Wyoming by nearly half a yard per play. So I think that... I mean, I don't know if I have a specific answer. Well, he came I from Arizona
0: it... State, which wasn't really – because they got the new staff with Herm Edwards. Yeah, yeah. And it's mean, not like w- their defense is w- off the charts over two uh, over at Tempe.
1: I want to see them be a top four defense. Because in the same way that we have this kind of prolonged conversation about Fresno, San Diego, Boise, Wyoming.
0: Wait, top four means there'll be – you mean fourth, not top four.
1: There's no, I, wanna, I want them no. to be a top four defense, which means, <laughs> well, and what that means is Go being better, ending up in a better position than one of those four teams. And, you know, it may seem like a tall order, but with the amount of guys that they have coming back in these kinds of specific areas of improvement, you know, I think, you know, if I'm a Utah State fan, looking to take the next step back toward contention, you know, if, if bull eligibility isn't enough, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting them to be better than someone like San Diego State or Wyoming. You one of the, those teams. You
0: think they will be defensively?
1: I think there's a possibility.
0: I say no way. No way. They that's why, that's that, why I say They that. weren't
1: that much worse than those teams last year. That's all. That's why I say that. And they were better down the stretch than those teams.
0: Hmm. Maybe you make a mm-hmm. good point there. I they, still... were,
1: they were just outside of that conversation.
0: Okay. Maybe I didn't. Maybe it's the offense that, it's probably the offense that did them in a bit for me. Just, I'm not looking at the defensive numbers at the moment, but I don't know. It's, I guess maybe, but here's the thing. They're not going to be better than Fresno, I'm pretty sure. I don't, I, I just don't see them being like top four means, like you said, they have to be better than Boise or San Diego State. And I don't know if that they can do that or Wyoming. Like, fifth play, being the fifth defense in this league's going to be probably top 50 nationally, right?
1: Uh, You know what? I think by S P Plus on defense, they actually were right around fifty last year. I'm trying to look that up real quick. They were actually by s Plus they were 42nd
0: last year. Utah State, okay. Where were they? Confer- well, S P Plus like this year they're sitting at 57. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not giving. Them, maybe I'm maybe my I'm skewing because the offense wasn't was so bad. Defense had to make up for a lot of stuff.
1: I mean, I think a lot of it is going to depend on how they replace Davis and Levitt, mm-hmm. but I, but I, I am pretty confident that they'll be able to do that. Like, if the guys that they're replacing him with can give him like eighty percent of what Levitt and Davis gave them, I still think that that's the potential for a very good defense.
0: Okay, maybe I'm just maybe the win loss record because if you look at who's above, I guess Wyoming wasn't great, but San Diego State great record, Boise great record, Fresno great record, so maybe that's why I don't know I. I still think they'll probably be fifth. Maybe they'll be fourth and get ahead of, I don't know, maybe Boise for losing Vander Esch, perhaps. But we'll see. I, it's I You convinced me they're going to be better than I thought they would be defensively. Or maybe not better, but better than the better teams at conference, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, Should we get to schedule time, I guess? Is it that time well, for the show?
1: Do we need to mention special teams real quick?
0: Uh, I always forget special teams. What you always we
1: forget special they're teams.
0: They're not special for me.
1: I mean I think in I think when it comes to Utah State, they should feel pretty comfortable, you know, on in pretty much every facet. You know, Savon Scarborough might be a guy as a kick returner who you know, he had a touchdown last year on twenty six returns. You know, he probably should be at least in a you know, in the initial conversation for special teams player of the year. But, you know, when it comes to kickers and punters, you know, Aaron Dalton was pretty solid last year. He averaged 42 yards per punt. And Dominic Everly, if I'm not mistaken, was a finalist. He was a finalist or a semi-finalist for the Ray Guy, not the Ray Guy Award, the Lou Groza Award.
0: I want to say semi-finalist.
1: And so, you know, even though the Arizona Bowl may have left a bad taste in some fans' mouth, you know, this is still a guy that last year was 18 of 24 and was pretty pretty reliable from 40 yards out like you know he was five of nine but I think a lot of that was skewed a little bit by that last game so you know I think if nothing else like if the offense does run into some erratic red zone play for instance like we talked about earlier I think they could be comfortable that they'll be able to turn you know those types of situations into some points rather than no points which is a lot more than you can say about some other teams in the conference
0: all right, and then they got punt return like Jordan Nathan, like you mentioned. Uh, maybe Lindsey, oh, hit Lindsey Gunn, Excuse me, Savon Scarver. You mentioned a touchdown there, so I shouldn't need to repeat that. But okay, I, I'll give the special teams some love this time because they have basically everybody back.
1: Yeah, and that's one of those those. That's one of those edges that from you know, any given week could be the difference between a win and a loss. And they have some pretty good guys.
0: Really quick, we haven't discussed this at all. What do you think of the new kickoff rule? Which it what is it? What is that again? Where you can fair catch it, I believe it's college, right? Where you can fair catch it within the twenty and get a touchback. I mean,
1: I got. I'm okay with that.
0: It, okay, i just wondering which could be a uh, couple strategy because that takes away strategy of pinning a guy at, like the five yard line, like the high kick, and mm. making him return it. So it's just more strategic stuff. So, all right, week one. Actually, let's do this. Oh, you see the? Uh, do you have the over under win total in front of you at the moment?
1: I do not, unfortunately.
0: Do you want to take a guess at what it is? Um,
1: I'm going to say five and a half.
0: No, seven and a half. That's interesting. That's I think it's a tad high for what they've been doing the past few years.
1: That is, that is ambitious.
0: I would be more comfortable. If it was six and a half, I'd be more com- comfortable because they have made bowl games. I guess two of the past, at least last year, but not the year before. So if it's, we'll get to it in a moment, but 7.5, fairly high, in my opinion. They open up at Wisconsin, which we kind of discussed them with. Um...
1: They, open, they open up at Michigan State, don't they? Oh,
0: sorry. I'm looking at last year's schedule. Whoops, hold on. I was thinking, I was like, wait, we talked about Wisconsin already. That was New Mexico. Yeah. At Michigan State, where there's a line out at the moment, like 24.5 points. Interesting. I would stay away from because point spreads that big are terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, basically, some people are saying top 10 team. Um, It's a Friday night game. It's probably going to be a Big Ten network. I can 98% guarantee that because it's, it got moved to Friday night. I It's going to be a challenge. They've gone to the Big Ten before. I like played Wisconsin last year. They played them years before. There's like, I don't want to say zero chance, but it's going to be a zero and one game, right?
1: I mean, probably. But, you know, let's not forget that last year they're – for for most of the first half, they hung with Wisconsin pretty well. It was just that the the offense wasn't able to, you know, make a lot of hay against the Badgers defense. And so I kind of see this matchup being somewhat similar to that. You know, it because you know, Michigan State's fine. You know, they do have a pretty good quarterback and Brian Lawerky, you know, who was a big part of their revitalization from two years ago. You know, He completed just under 60% of his passes, but he had 20 touchdowns against just seven interceptions. So that's not bad. And you know, the defense was just about as tough as it has been. Most of their best teams have been. They were, I think, in the top five in the Big Ten on a per-play basis. So Utah State's going to have an uphill battle ahead of them. You know, I like their chances to cover that initial spread, but I think asking for an upset is maybe a bridge too far, at least for right now. So I have this one penciled down as a loss.
0: I agree with you there, but it's funny you say their offense is just okay, but they're projected like a top ten team. But I guess that is Big Ten football, right? For the most, part. I mean they have
1: they have a lot of experience coming back. That's what I think the best thing you can say about Michigan State.
0: They do, and it, at that twenty four point I'd probably take Aggies to cover, but it's still. You'll see when I post my piece, or maybe out by the time you're, it should be out by the time you're listening to this. But I think I put that like as a stay away because mm-hmm. anything over three touchdowns and you're not playing the FCS team. It's like I would not want to do, have anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. So next game is a rematch of the Aggie Bowl, New Mexico State. This time in Logan. We've already talked about the New Mexico State Aggies a little bit, but they lose like was it Larry Rose, they lose their quarterback, but they're newly independent. I think at the Utah State Aggies will get this revenge against them because obviously at home they'll be more tested for playing a week prior a really good Michigan State team or should be a really good Michigan State team, but I and the way the Aggies lost last year they don't want to repeat that.
1: Well, I mean, let's not forget they should have had this game last year.
0: Yeah, they should have. But also, one thing too, New Mexico State will be playing their third game because they play Wyoming that week zero, then they go to Minnesota. On a mm-hmm. Saturday, Thursday, Saturday for we three games before before Labor Day. Yeah. That's good kind of odd.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what will you know, New Mexico State's obviously, like we mentioned before, probably going to be another pass first offense. So while they, you know, the Aggies do have some pieces to replace in the secondary, I think they can be a little bit better than they were in that bowl game last year because they did pick off Rodgers twice. Let's mm-hmm. not forget about that. Correct. But, you know, they only had one, I think, like, what, one sack and 54 dropbacks or something like that. I'm pretty sure that this defense can do a little better than that the second time around.
0: Well, and and with the New Mexico State, he's losing that much talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking it'll probably be another defensive fist fight. But I do think that Utah State's offense will carry the day.
0: I got that, too. I got a victory as well because those things I mentioned. They're at home. They're rematch. The kicker won't miss. What do missed Three field goals in that bowl game? Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, they have Tennessee Titan Golden Eagles at home. Uh, victory, say, right? Correct?
1: Yeah, I believe you meant Tennessee Tech.
0: Is that what I said? What did I you say? You said Tennessee Titan. Oh. <laughs> no, if they're playing the Titans, there's no way they'd win that game. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I was just... Um... Okay, then. Let's move on to the next game because there's no reason for me to or you to, or me to discuss that
1: Golden Eagles matchup.
0: All right, Air Force. Now, Virginia, like last year, do not miss this game because if I remember the last like four minutes or the fourth quarter was amazing.
1: Yes, it was.
0: It's it, This time it's in Utah State. There won't be um, I, I, I don't think Isaiah Sanders will be getting the start, but if he does, that could be a little bit of something-something, um, but as we mentioned Air Force, as we kind of sprinkle in what they've been doing with all of our other previews, they, um, was it their uh, running running game has decreased a little bit for who they're coming back. But that doesn't necessarily matter because they plug in some guy every year, it seems like, to have 800 yards minimum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I want to give the edge to, te- to um, I want to say Tennessee again. Let me scroll up so I don't see the Golden Eagles here. I want, <laughs> I want to give the edge to the uh, Aggies because, I could stay at home, which is lame, but I think the defense. Maybe I'm coming around on the defense, and it could be that good, and they'll find a way to shut down the Falcon offense.
1: Well, I mean, like I just said with the New Mexico State game, like this was a game last year that that Utah State really should have won. Yeah, you know because they outgained Air Force. You know, I think I remember one thing that happened was that Air Force ran 97 plays. Yeah, that's a lot of plays. Even though they got outgained by about seventy yards,
0: <laughs>
1: and you know the and the Aggies did pretty much everything right. You know they they had five red zone conversions. They converted all of them for touchdowns. It was just one of those things where you know really
0: that center play at the very end. They got the sack and the touchdown late in the game, and they still yeah. and that still almost didn't do them in. They still came back from that.
1: Yeah, and if you go back and even looking at the last three years. They've lost. To, they've had three one loss, one score losses against the Falcons three years in a row.
0: Well, in 2016, was it the controversial P, offensive PI Aggie fans wanted?
1: I, I believe that was against New Mexico.
0: Uh, I thought it was more than once. Who knows?
1: <laughs> it might have been, yeah. But you know, they lost by three last year to Air Force. They lost to by seven the year before that, and seven the year before that. I mean, it's maybe it's a little cliche to say that the Aggies are due. But well, one, think, Remember, one but and 12 do, in twelve
0: and eight score point eight, in games where it's eight or less points.
1: But I do think that they shape up to be a better team than the Falcons on both sides of the ball. So I do have this one as a win.
0: So do I. I I I'm saying they're due. I, not to say that's lame, but it's like they got to prove me otherwise before I can say that. Yeah. Because again, one in whatever whatever it is, one in twelve, and they're still losing these games that are close. Again, it's not like one or two plays. It's a combination of a lot of small stuff to equal that. All right, so I got a victory there. Then they get off week. They go to BYU, which, remember, last year, Aggies blew, just blew the doors off the Cougars with Jalen Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, again, BYU is one of the teams we'll mention a ton because they play a handful of teams in the league again this year. Utah State, Boise State. Uh, do they play San Diego State? I forget. Maybe that's the top I of don't know off the top of my head. Maybe it's down the road. I don't – whatever. I'll likely be at this game because the people at BYU sort of like me, so that's nice. Um, here's the thing about BYU. They still don't have a quarterback. Tanner Mangum is injured in some Achilles Sting, which we saw last year. They're, they don't know who their backup's going to be. They have a new offensive coordinator, new offensive staff. And people aren't expecting much for BYU, and neither am I.
1: So <sighs> – so if Mangum's hurt, and and I believe Joe Critchlow was the guy who oh, came boy. in last year and was a little bit um, <laughs> not good.
0: Looks like he's 16 years old.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and Bo Hodge was also not good, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Not great, no. He was not.
1: And they did, they did bring in the guy who was considering Boise State for a while, Zach Wilson, as a true freshman. You know, is that something they look at? Or is it just like, is this passing game just a lost cause?
0: Well, two things. Receiver-wise, it's going to be better because they have Dylan Collie from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They have a really good tight end. Oh, what's his name? Um, oh, geez. He was a richer freshman last year. Really good. T- like, he was their main receiver last year. He was really good. He's going to be probably – I believe you were talking about
1: Matt Bushman.
0: Yes, Matt Bushman. Yeah, he's, he's going to be their top receiver. But let me read you this headline from the Deseret News recently. Eight years of different BYU quarterbacks produce unpredictable results. <laughs> So like they go back from twenty ten where it's like I'm not gonna go through each of these, but some of these names may sound familiar to you and me, maybe a few others, like Jay keeps highly recruited guy did nothing, Riley Nelson who whatever. They have guys like again, Jake, Riley Nelson for a couple years. They have guys like uh Taysom Hill being injured off and on. They bring in guys like James Lark who nobody's heard of. Injuries come out, Christian Stewart comes in and does some stuff or they just have all this like the only year they had really good quarterback play recently was when Tanner Mangum was a true freshman, when he came in that week one versus Nebraska and had that hail mary where people are freaking out for a very good play,
1: but yeah, I, I just I just I wandered over to Cougar Sportswire with our compadre Mitch Mitch Harper. Yeah, I'm
0: a good buddy, Mitch.
1: And I appreciate that his depth chart literally says Zach Wilson or Joe Critchlow or Bo Hodge or <laughs> Tanner Mangum.
0: Mitch that I think
1: tells you everything I know about this offense.
0: Yeah, and their over their win total is five and a half.
1: Is that charitable?
0: You want to know who they play this year? At no, Ar- no we'll, get well, we'll get into one, that later. One, one note, real quick. One note: they open at Arizona, who should be what okay in the Pac-12. Pretty good, yeah. Two touchdown underdog. Ouch. They like they play. So they have a reasonably tough schedule. Like they play Cal at Wisconsin at Washington, and so they play some pretty good teams. But so then they're not like if they get to the bowl game, that would be exceed my expectations for BYU.
1: So then would it be fair to say that this game has the potential to be kind of a defensive slugfest if you know things play out the way that I think they will because they do have a lot of production coming back on defense. You know, Corbin Calfusi is back. You know, mm-hmm. Sione Takitaki is back. Really good, Butch yeah. Pau is back. You know, those are three guys right there that combined for, I'm trying to add it up in my head real quick.
0: A lot, a lot of tackles just for say. loss. Let's just, just put it that way. way.
1: And, you know, at least, I think, uh, 11 sacks between them. So, you know, I think it'll maybe it'll be interesting if, if the front four can put pressure on Love and it devolves into kind of a, you know, who blinks first kind of thing on defense I think that'll be a fun game to watch.
0: It's also a three-point. Uh, I think I forget who it is, but it's a three-point uh, favorite. I forget who. It was. shoot. I should have my article up here. I'm working on, or it'll be up by the time you read this. Uh, who is a three-point favorite? Uh, it was. Uh, come on, come on, come on. BYU is a three-point home favorite, which basically whatever pick them essentially. So I think you're right. It'll be low-scoring because BYU's defense is going to be good, as they typically. Even last year, when they're they weren't very good overall, their defense was mostly pretty good. Mm-hmm. Utah State's defense will be much be- better than last year, and BYU still struggles have a running game. Quarterback play again, like <laughs> Mitch Harper, like pick pick a name out of half, flip th- roll a dice or something, it's gonna be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. If it's if it is Tanner Mangum, they'll be better off, I think, assuming he's healthy, but I think points will be at a premium. Only reason last year there was a blowout out because there were three defensive touchdowns. Obviously that's not gonna be the case, but I think it could be like a seventeen to ten game because Utah State's offense will probably move the ball fairly well. But BYU always seems to have something good defensively. But I, I'm going to go with the Utah State win, but it'll be a close one. All right. What was your prediction? Did you say that yet? I also – I have I
1: put that as a win as well.
0: Okay. Didn't they host UNLV? Is it after a bye? Yeah, nope, no, not a bye week. Um, they host UNLV. I think it's at home. Yeah, hosting, as I mentioned. We'll get to the Rebels preview later, but this will be one of the tougher ma- – outside of Michigan State – Air Force is different because they're running attack, but this will be the best balanced offense they'll face since their opener. I'm thinking.
1: I mean, I think you're right. You know, because we know that the Rebels have a pretty potent running game. But, you know, in the same way that we talked about with Jordan Love, I think we're both expecting Armani Rodgers to take a step forward in his second year as a starter as well. So I'm really not thinking you're going to see a similar kind of result to last year where UNLV raced out to a big lead. in yeah, that they, game. And then Utah State came all the way back and then some. I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm thinking this is kind of more of an offense versus defense kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because Rodgers, when he played, when he, assuming he takes a step forward, he could run well, he could pass well. Yeah, they're replacing a couple receivers, but this is a game where I could see a lot of points again, but it's going to be... It's going to come down to the Aggie offense versus the Rebel defense.
1: I think you're absolutely right.
0: Because also, one thing too, the UNLV, not only have Rodgers, Charles Williams, Lexington Thomas, they're going to have one of the best running attack duos, top three running game possibly. Like Air Force is always going to be good. Fresno should be better with Mims back there. Juwan Washington, San Diego State, Alexander Madison. like There's a lot of good running attacks, but they could be third or fourth running attack in the conference, maybe better depending on how those two guys go, and Rodgers as well, when he'll get, a, what, maybe 500 yards possibly running the ball. That's going to be a difference, and I don't know if Utah State's defense can keep up. Because if we predict the win at this point, we're sitting at 4-2 at this moment.
1: Well, I mean, let's not forget in last year's matchup, too, UNLV, even though they lost, they still averaged 7 yards per carry <laughs> on the ground. Yes. And if I'm not mistaken, that's I believe <laughs> or, I believe Ro- I believe Rogers also got hurt in that game as well. Because Kurt Palandek ended up as the team's leading passer, and he only had 48 yards passing. Oh,
0: that was because then the week after they brought Johnny Stanton back over from defense to play quarterback.
1: Yeah, so I'm thinking that that's probably not going to happen again either.
0: So, what's your prediction?
1: <sighs> I think it's going to be a close game. But I think UNLV is going to take it this year.
0: I'm going with the Aggies.
1: All right then. do.
0: Okay, next week at Wyoming. This is going to be defensive slugfest. And I really want to pick Utah State because I think their offense is that much better. But I'm starting to feel a five of them like at five and two. <laughs> That's getting a bit risky on my part because that's, well, that's getting close to that uh, over under a seven and a half.
1: Well, I mean, this is another game, again, Utah State probably should have had this one too last year. You know, some of it came down to losing the inter, the, not the interception, the turnover margin battle badly. They were minus four in last year's game. And, you know, I think that was that ended up being kind of the worst such kind of performance that the Aggies had on offense last year mm-hmm. because Love ended up throwing half of his season's interceptions in this game last year. I really don't see that happening again. And I do think that, you know, Wyoming has enough questions on offense to, you know, kind of you know make whatever trouble that Utah State's offense might run into a little more palatable.
0: I, I just think it might be, this might be like, this might, well, no, this does, or I think it reminds me, or will remind me of that Colorado State game from last year mm-hmm. versus Wyoming, where, what was that, 13 to 10? Something like it that. it was 16 to 13. 16 to 13. So, three point game. I think it might be the same scenario because Wyoming's offense is going to be dreadful, I think, at least at this point in the year where we're projecting way ahead. New quarterback, running game was not very good last year. Defense is going to be one amazing. And so
1: I mean, that... Utah State basically did everything they could to give away this game last year, and they still only lost by five.
0: I'm going Aggies because they're a more balanced team.
1: I definitely agree.
0: All right, what's it, we ready to go for the next game versus New Mexico?
1: I believe we talked about that briefly in our Lobos podcast. Which Do
0: you, do you need to add anything more...
1: to it? Not that I could think of. Uh, by the way, go back and listen to our Lobos podcast if you haven't already. But if you didn't listen there, I'll just say it here. I have this one down as a Utah State win. Sorry, say that again. I have it down mm-hmm. as a Utah State win. Oh,
0: so do I. Um, I guess the only th- I guess to give the Aggies fans indulgence. Um, I forget why I said this, even though I actually we recorded this what three days ago, I think. I would say just um, Lobos eh, defense is not very good. Offense is uh, under new management, so.
1: Yeah, we'll just leave it at
0: that. <laughs> and in my prediction, this could be the game that um, Utah State Aggie fans, you might be able to get a coach fired.
1: That's true. We did mention that.
0: Okay, so if I'm at 6-2 with Utah State, are they going to be ranked at this moment?
1: <laughs> I think considering the caliber of teams that have been – they'd have beaten by this point, no. I would say no.
0: Okay. Because I'm on the risk of seeing like um, well over exceeding my, even my expectations going through game by game. Next week, they go to Hawaii, where, like we mentioned with the Colorado State game, or not game, but season, if you go game by game, there's a reasonable chance to see the Rams could be in every game. But this is game that Hawaii, which going to Hawaii is always weird and goofy. However, Utah State's given a 73% chance to win this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this was the game last year where, you know, everything came together for the Aggies. You know, the defense was on point. They pitched a shutout at home. And, you know, even though the quarterbacks were still splitting time at that point, you know, the offense was efficient. They had the running game going. They were explosive. And so, you know, like you said, I think going to Hawaii is a little bit tougher. But, you know, we know the Warriors are kind of starting over on offense. They're moving to the run and shoot. But we still don't know if they're going to have enough targets to go around. For whoever's under center, Um, we know they have pretty solid linebackers, but they have questions up front and a couple of key pieces to replace in the secondary. So, I have this one down as a Utah State victory as well.
0: I do as well, and I'm the game itself. I'm fine with, but this winning streak, I'm (laughs) it's unsettling (laughs) because then they play San Jose State, who they should win as well. They should beat as well, not win as well. Jeez, English, come on. Like, you have them as at three losses at this point, right? Heading into no- November?
1: No, I have them at two losses.
0: Oh, so we have the same record?
1: Well, I think maybe we differed a couple times. I have them losing at Michigan State and at home versus UNLV at this point. Oh, wait. Point.
0: I have Tennessee Tech as a loss. Crap, that's not right. Who was the other loss I had? Air Force? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, crap. I need to go back and pick one. Um, There's no way I should have them at eight, nine, one at this point. <laughs> Uh, oh shoot! Who did I? I picked um, Air Force. Yeah, that's why I picked the Lost Air Force. Okay. I think I did. Do I need to go back and listen?
1: We can do that later.
0: I oh okay. now I gotta make one. I'm gonna say um, Lost Air Force. There you go. Because it's at home. Because um, no, but I said a Winverse Air Force. No, I will stick with this and say because they can beat Tennessee's Tech, they can beat Air Force, they could beat BYU, UNLV. Sure, I'll do it. I will do it. I will change. I will do it right now. Whatever I said prior matchups, I'm sticking with this uh, record, which is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 1. Will this give me the respect of Utah State fans? Because they think we hate them. Some do. (laughs) Um, Am I pandering too much? But honestly, if you look at the uh, projected win total, they're favored in every game but three. Michigan State, BYU's a toss. Oh, sorry, four. Michigan State, BYU's 44%, Wyoming's 43%, at Boise's 22%.
1: Yeah, and it's those last two games, at Colorado State, at Boise State, which, you know, if we want to go back and talk about narratives, those two games, more than anything, are going to decide how, you know, Aggies fans look back at the season.
0: Here's the thing. I'll say it now. They're both going to be losses. That's okay, it. because I already had the loss for Colorado State in our mm-hmm. in our last podcast. Because I think the Rams will defense will get it, to better, get it together. I think their offense will be fine. The running game and assume if it's Carter Samuels or Van Hill gets excuse me gets back there, they'll be fine. Because at that point, here's the thing: if they are legitimately nine and one at that point, or yeah, nine and one, they're probably what ranked twenty second, maybe twentieth.
1: I think ah, that's a good question. I mean, because my initial thought is to say that they're like Not way up, way up in the also receiving votes.
0: Because the only good team, like out of all those teams they beat, who's a bowl team? Maybe New Mexico State, um, Wyoming?
1: M- maybe Wyoming, maybe UNLV? Man, I, mean, I,
0: don't... I bet they'd be 25th up. But if you're 9 and 1 and r- r- rounded off nine straight victories, you should be ranked.
1: Well, I mean, let's not forget it took forever to get, for Fresno State to get ranked last sure year, too. That,
0: so They'll be ranked or close to ranked. But then again, and here's the thing. Here's, 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 what, here's what it's already going to be talked about. Not just like Utah State. Oh, we're 9-1. We can do this. We have all the confidence in the world. We're 9-1. nine and, nine and one. No conference losses. We went on the road to beat BYU. We went up to Laramie to beat Wyoming. We all went to Hawaii and beat the Warriors. We're first place in the conference. They are – but here's the thing. They missed San Diego State. They missed Fresno State. They They missed Nevada. So their schedule is quite favorable. Like, here's the thing. Going to CSU, they could win that game.
1: They absolutely could.
0: I don't think they will, though, but they could.
1: I mean, that's as close to a 50-50 as you get. And, you know, among the you know, the win probabilities that you mentioned earlier, the one you didn't mention was this game against the Rams, which by the way, the Aggies by SP Plus are projected at 56% to win this game. But the way I look at it is, you know, who scores last? Because I feel like this is the kind of game where it's like, you know, first to 35 or first to 40 or something like that. So, I mean, I think both of these offenses are going to be really good. I think they're both going to be able to put up a show against these two defenses. But I mean, I like Colorado State's offense a little bit better and i had already called that one as a victory so for the rams with, you gotta
0: stick with it man can't change i do
1: yeah but i'm definitely with you about boise state as well i mean i think you know long story short they're still the class of the conference and at least looking at it right now in late may i don't see any reason to call for an unnecessary upset
0: Yeah, outside of the one game where I think Utah State beat them pretty handily a couple years ago, they've never really been all that close.
1: I mean, I think they should be able to do better than forty-one to fourteen.
0: You would think so, right?
1: Yeah, but I think Boise's got an immense amount of talent on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, more so than the Aggies do themselves, and that you know that I think is ultimately going to make the difference.
0: And even with that, Utah State plays three of the last four and four of the last six away from home. Yeah. So a lot of travel, even because no, okay, going to Wyoming from Utah State, it's not that big a deal. But going to Hawaii is a big deal. Going to Clark, like the other two games aren't a big deal, but going to Hawaii, it's like it's back and forth. Like they're in their bye week. If they go in their bye week, it's way up early after Air Force. Hmm. And so, and I yeah, I think they can play close to Boise. Like could they beat Boise? Sure, anything's possible because Boise loses a lot on defense. But then again, they always seem to restock and be fine. Receiving group, we'll talk about them later. Lose a couple guys like Cedric Wilson, Jake Rowe, tight end, um, but then again, Brett Rippin's the guy quarterback as it always should have been, even last year. So, but here's the thing: if I my prediction here is nine and three.
1: Yeah, I have them at eight and four and five and three in conference.
0: So if they're nine and three, they're probably going to. Um, I was going to say Point City Bowl, but that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> Idaho Potato Bowl, possibly.
1: I mean, I think they've been there most recently. My guess is they end up somewhere like the Hawaii Bowl.
0: True, good point. I don't think
1: anybody's. I don't think any Aggies fans are going to be complaining about a second trip to the islands.
0: True. Could they? Could this be a ten-win team?
1: It absolutely could be.
0: What would it take for them to be that good of a team? I mean,
1: in looking at in looking at the schedule, the only two games that I'm, like, not totally certain about as, like, sure losses are UNLV and Colorado State. And so, to me, if they win both of those games, then all of a sudden you're moving from 8 to 10 wins.
0: Yeah, I could... Yeah, for me, like, there's a lot... Like we mentioned, there's... Well, their favorite of most games in Plus. CSU games, basically a toss-up. Wyoming's to toss-up. BYU's still a toss-up. And UNLV, somehow, 70%. So, like, even if they win the... Even if they win every game they're favored in by this metric, that's still better than the last year's eight and four. Absolutely. And then why can't they beat Wyoming? Nine wins, Boise, BOU, ten wins. I'm just saying. And then Matt, they love. Then then everybody falls in love with Matt Wells again, right?
1: That's true. Yeah. Or <laughs> or
0: they're sweating out for him going to like Cal or something.
1: Well, Cal just recently hired a. a you know, it would have to be someplace like. I don't know.
0: They were the first one I thought of who typically goes through coaches on a regular basis, and it's not an amazing job. outside. Like
1: West West Virginia or something like that. Sure, if They finally get like, tired of. They finally like, get tired of Dana Holgerson.
0: Texas Tech because Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat. That's true. One of those type of jobs. So I think that I think we've we're not that we're saying that's the case, but that's a, the two side of the uh, coin for him out the west. Do great, and see ya. I,
1: yeah. And I mean, you know, (laughs) and and eight and four might seem pretty modest to some teams in the conference, but I think that you know, climbing your way back up from three wins to six wins to eight wins, you know, I think that if the season plays out like I think we both think it will, you know, there will be a lot for Aggies fans to be happy about, not only for this year but for in the couple of years beyond that.
0: Yeah, and it's also like here's the thing too, Utah State fans. Remember the they should the very very dark days pre it's like pre and post Chuckie Keaton. There were times when they were in the Sun Belt, when Big West held football, independent, where they had to go on board and play. Where, I remember they nearly beat Auburn after they won the national title. Saints Cam Newton obviously, but going like to Texas to Oklahoma, they were like um, who's the basketball team? I think it's Texas Southern. They played every just Texas Southern. I'm saying even with Mike Davis, former Indiana head coach down there, they did you know they played didn't play home game until conference play. Every game was on the road and they're playing like big time schools. Like they weren't going on the road and playing like MIAC or SWAC or WAC schools. They were playing I think like the lowest team was like maybe like Nevada or BYU or something. Where they're playing like the top twenty RPI teams in the country. Utah State mm-hmm. was nearly at that level where they're needing to uh, fund their program by going taking these seven almost seven figure games like 800k plus games on the road and going like oh and four and oh and five in non-league play not having home gaming to october and stuff like that they're no longer the like 120 out of 120 team like the bottom five percent they're a team that with the nfl guys they have like bobby wagner and other guys going to the nfl also also isn't chucky keaton back on staff with them i believe
1: i think so yeah
0: how can we miss chucky man being back in in logan I guess an Oregon State swept staff. He was out of there. But my point is, if they can get back to even a bowl game again, I get you want you want to raise your expectations every year. You don't want to be that seven win team every year. But again, like I said, they are not a bowl team. They get back to a bowl team. It's like I said, climbing the ladder, get back. If they get eight, nine, somehow ten wins, be not to like sound condescending, but be glad that you have Matt Wells and what you have right now. Because well, remember this. what it was with Brent Guy on the sideline? People hate Brent Guy because he was terrible.
1: Yeah, I mean the window for making the jump is open right now. Yeah, that's what you can say about this team
0: for sure. Like whoever, even with the new DC, everybody they have coming back defensively. I guess the big concern for me is getting better, consistent quarterback play. But now that loves the guy that should be there. The one big thing is the running game. That's like the biggest thing that's been the past couple years that's just been awful for this team. Get that settled, situated. Like, they potential is there to maybe win the conference.
1: Dark horse.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's still potential. Hey, or
1: should we say, or should we say dark bowl? <laughs> dark
0: bowl. Here's the thing. Well, like, I mean,
1: that's what, that's, what that's what their that's
0: what logo is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. It took me half a second there, but think about it, like, out of all the teams in the league, like who's really better than them? when you think about it. Boise State. I, there's a lot of teams like in the Mountain Division. Probably just Boise State, right? That you could say you're 100% sure is going to be better than them. Not even 100%, but she's going to be ranked ahead of them and should be favored and better than them this year.
1: Well, I mean, we just had our CSU podcast, yeah. and I did, I, at least the way that my ranking, my week-by-week week win-loss column is constructed now, I do also have Colorado State against ahead of Utah State.
0: Well, I'm just saying, like, when you look at who they're playing and... Record and everything like, like we struggled picking CSU and Utah State who would win. It wasn't like oh Rams no matter what. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. there's potential for them. Like I probably would be a little surprised, but going through more deeper, doing more research, seeing who they have coming back, seeing what what Love did on his own, where he can improve their depth at secondary. It's not. It wouldn't be like it's out of this world. Leicester, Leicester, whatever worst to first type deal to going from. What they did last year to win in the conference, it's yeah. not likely, but it shouldn't be like this super dramatic shock that they somehow win the conference, especially with that middle of the schedule, which is not overly tough. Yeah, going to BYU, going to Wyoming's not easy, but those are games they could win for Wyoming's offense being bad and BYU quarterback issues and no receivers really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my point. Like, it's out there, probably not going to happen, but I'd still give them like to win the division. Get Pat, if they can beat CSU, it's going to come down to beating Boise State to win the division title and probably and even maybe even hosting the conference title game.
1: I mean, that would work for me if I were a Utah State fan.
0: Am I being too optimistic here or is this you think this is um plausible?
1: No, I mean, I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility.
0: All right, then let's end with that. And, and no, I'm not just wanting to get Aggie fans to like us more or me. So alright so that's our show today we got a Utah State wrap up preview number 3 next up we'll be staying in the state because of fears voting so thanks for listening again if you listen to this early over at Patreon we appreciate any support you give us and uh, the next one will be here's the thing well, well I don't want to go too deep in the schedule because when this is released it won't matter but if you're a Patreon member you got this way early next podcast down the road a little bit just because but every week we have one on our Block Talk Radio feed iTunes feed Stitcher feed um, tune in Are we on Last FM Matt Do you know Last FM I have no idea Are we on Spotify yet Can we get on Spotify
1: I think we have to talk to someone To get on Spotify Is that invite only <laughs> We can find out
0: I do know for Spotify There's no commercial rights music Can be played And we Pass that test So cool. <laughs> Who knows But Yeah check us out MWR.com Check out yourself Matt K underscore FS For Fresno stuff Writing Do you tweet about Overwatch Every now and then
1: Every now and then, yeah.
0: Um, So get a well-rounded Twitter feed from Matt, myself, Jeremy Moss, us, MWC Wire. And hopefully by the time this is published, do you think we can get 2,000 Twitter followers by the time this is published in uh, mid-June?
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Please help us do that, folks. And again, um, we'll see you next time. And Aztec fans, you're on deck.